0: Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network. Presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris.
1: Hello and welcome to another Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John Damaris, and joining us this week is the master of disaster himself, one T.J. Lanigan, fresh off another victory. We're going to talk about his chaos list. But before we get to that, joining us, as always, is the one and only Nick Natavati, who's going to help us break down this discussion. Uh, As many of you Art of War veterans know, this is episode one, where we talk about a macro discussion about T.J.'s list. We go into, you know, what's in the list, why it's in the list, why we're Why, you know, other things that he's considered putting in the list, all that fun stuff. Uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead and introduce TJ, and let's start talking about some chaos. Yeah, John,
2: I'm very disappointed you didn't introduce me as Tom Brady of 40K, as you have been doing. But I'll move on. Uh, this is uh, TJ, and TJ is one of our Art of War coaches here. He's one of the most well-accomplished Chaos players in the world. Uh, I think he won like a record-high number of GTs last year, uh, nearly missing out uh, top eight of LDO, losing the seventh shadow round uh, so close on that one. Um, but he is one of the strongest players uh, for Chaos there is. He's a Team America member for the WTC team, and he is probably the best stress man in all of 40K history. How are you doing, tonight,
3: T.J.? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. always appreciate it.
2: Yeah, always fun to have you on. So, rumor on the street is is that you just went to a GT, and you won it with a mono-zeench list, or almost all-zeench list, featuring Magnus and Allure Change.
3: Almost all zinc. I don't think you can play Chaos without Mowlings right now, but everything else is zinc.
2: All right. Well, why don't you walk us through what your list was, and we'll get into it
3: sure uh so we start off with the super auxiliary detachment we'll just start right at the top right the the cherry on top we got magnus the red coming in hot spending the three cp to make him not the warlord we'll get to why he's not the warlord in a little bit and then we've got a thousand suns patrol with armin and a demon prince with wings with some talons um and then for the Demon Prince, we took uh, Helm of the Third Eye. We spent the extra CP for the Relic there. And then we've got 10 Cultists as the Troops. And then we get into the meat of the list, which is the Demon Battalion. We've got a Changecaster as my uh, each one of my HQs. Then we've got a Changeling. And then we got the almost unkillable Lord of Change with the uh, Exalted. Uh, CP being spent to make him a little more powerful. Um, then we've got the impossible robe for the relic. And then we took the warlord trait, uh, which is minus one damage as well. So that's why that Magnus is not the warlord. And that's it. Got some summoning points. And then of course, you know, we've got a big old block of uh, 30 pink horrors. And then we've got five units of four nurglings
2: awesome so this is a this is a really cool list i like magnus and Blower change i don't think i've ever seen that combo before uh, i think everyone is pretty familiar with the kill Blower change he's just a, uh almost like a mini magnus in a way but then you want to double down and you're like i'm gonna take magnus too along with some other snipers as well so it's obvious to me at least that you are doing a smite factory at this army um which makes perfect sense with respect to the meta it's a lot of Hyper elite inventory, you have space wings running around, necrons can't reanimate from smite It's good stuff. So uh what was your thought process like designing this list? Why did you decide this was the way you wanted to approach it? Because this is before really, doing a lot of the ninth edition principles on like lots of cheap stuff, border control, that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, so I mean like um So you're thinking to yourself right now in the current meta, you want mortal wounds, and you need a way to do mortal wounds. So You've got the grenade trick for uh, death guard, but that's like super telegraphed. Your opponent knows where it's going. Your opponent can kind of screen out if they're in the drill. So when it works, it works amazing. It will devastate something. But the problem is, is it might not devastate the thing you want it to devastate. And then it might die immediately afterwards. And then you're like, well, I have spells that do mortal wounds. That's how we do mortal wounds better. But If you're going to go that route, you need these spells to go off 100% of the time. And who better to make these spells go off than Magnus? I mean, nobody nobody does spells better than Magnus. So I decided that I was going to pick Magnus. And then with picking Magnus, you kind of build a list around that. So you want um, a way for him to not die. And the best way for him, the the way to make him the most survivable is you need buffing characters. So you take Armin because he's plus one to cast. So he'll get your Weaver and your Glamour easy. So that was an easy slot in. And then you want a Demon Prince. Uh, You want a character in the Thousand Suns Detachment as well. I thought the Demon Prince is great for while we stand, we fight. It makes him very viable for not dying. Um, But you want another character in there because there are cult powers when you pick your cult magnus can't cast them either can the demon either can armin so you need someone to cast these powerful spells and um i'll get to that powerful spell later on uh and then you're like okay so i've got right there that's about 800 points worth of stuff and then you're like okay i'm going to take nurglings as well so i knew i wanted at least five squads of them Uh, Because I knew I was going to take another troop. Uh, Because when I was building the list, I figured, wow, I have a lot of characters right now. Like, that's a lot. So, and you know, Blood Angels are pretty prevalent, and White Scars are really prevalent. I need something that's going to stay on the field for a long time and be able to kind of spread out, block these characters, screen Magnus, make sure he doesn't get charged by anything he doesn't want to. The same thing with the bird. So I was like, I'm going to need something. That has a good board presence so i was like well if i'm going to take the changeling which gives a six plus feeling of pain to magnus and the bird then i can also take the troop choice from zinch which will then give my pink horrors a six up feeling of pain which just makes them a little more annoying so now you've got four plus involved six plus feeling of pain and uh that's kind of where the list was at that point like most of the stuff kind of slotted in once i figured out where i wanted to go with the list yeah the way you described there
2: literally built itself i'm like watching you put the puzzle pieces together um and this all stemmed from the, the concept that you want to spam mortal wounds. and i think that's a great list building approach I'm trying to get a little off topic here but when you see top players building lists they don't just take a dark board and pick units they often don't even start with units per se they start with a concept like i want my list to do more I want my list to be built around this thing. And then you take the units and stuff that make sense for that concept. So, love the approach, TJ. One thing with Magnus, though, I've used him before, and uh, he's, he's a little allergic to just getting blown up. That's definitely always a fear of mine, especially because he's more than 16 wounds. He can't make use of obscuring terrain like the Lord of Change can. Where you, I understand you took things like Glamour and Weaver and Six of Penal Painting and Changeling, but you have to go first to cast the Psychic Powers on them, and just Six of Penal Painting is not that tough. You're you're, are,
3: you're definitely right. Like that
2: he's just going to die. Like you go second versus AdMech and no more Magnus.
3: Well, he doesn't start on the table against, uh, against AdMech. That's just not going to happen. You'll just, uh, yeah. So against matchups where you know that he's so or, or on the weekend, I, uh, tactical reserved him twice. There were two games out of the five, which he did not start on the table. And, um, You just, in those instances, when you know that's going to happen, you need to take objectives, uh, secondaries, that are going to slow grind and kind of build those points up. You don't want to take anything that's going to be incumbent on you doing damage on first turn because you don't have any damage on first turn. So.
2: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So. Do you not find that's too big of a momentum loss? I mean, you're putting Magnus as 450 points in reserve, and I imagine the rest of your army is trying to hide until the big boy shows up. So like turn one, you're not doing anything. You can get yourself in a party of big points that would like your opponent goes first, stands on a bunch of objectives, and you just kinda hide and let him, waiting for turn two. Yeah. I,
3: I mean, that's what the nurglings are for, right? So I mean there's 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 20 bases. You can if you know your opponent has something super super quick and it's reasonable for them to uh assume that they're going to go after an objective, I just would stack that objective very hard with nerflings. So instead of like one squad on every objective, you put like four squads on one and then maybe two squads on another objective, just so that your opponent's like, okay, or you know, not they don't necessarily have to start on the objective, but within running distance to get there. And then yeah, they come a hide a him. wall
2: nearby and then, right. you know, move yeah. and walk. Yeah.
3: Yep. So then you're at least going to be able to contest that objective from him on your first turn. And, um, yeah, I mean that, that seemed to work in most of my games. I did play against Knights. Um, uh, that's a terrifying list for Magnus. We don't like Knights at all, especially when he took, um, a Gatling Knight that basically, uh, is plus 1 damage against things that are plus 1 uh oh, sorry 10 or more wounds. So I mean that's a Gatling gun that does 3 damage a pop. Not not fun at all. Um and every one of his Gatling uh crusaders had uh thermal cannons as well. So that was not that was definitely something that we started off the table. I also played an AbMech list that was very very heavy um vehicles, so they just had a lot of firepower. But I mean like these are the risks that you take when you play with a 400 you know 65 point unit that he's just going to win the day for you when he comes in later on
2: yeah so along those lines i mean i get what you're going for your heart is just green and be obsec there's to straight and be obsec characters to do tons of mortal wounds were you at all concerned about, like, theoretical matchups where, like, they had a lot of screening wounds, like, just, you know, mortal wounds don't really get it done for smite? Not really, like, side blocking is a good block defense against the, the targeted mortal wound powers you have. Do you ever find that smite and just mortal wound doesn't get it done?
3: I haven't had a game yet where that doesn't work. Um, the pinks do a lot of damage themselves. Plus one to wound, strength four. Uh, I mean, a full barrage if they're not, if they're shooting the bird or they're shooting Magnus, that's 90 shots a turn that hit on fours, reroll ones, and then they're plus one to wound and they're strength four. Or they can even be strength five, depending on the matchup. So, strength five plus one to wound means they could wound toughest four models on twos. Uh, Sisters would probably be a matchup that they'd come in a lot, uh, very much handy. Just like you said, they have a lot of they have a lot of bodies they can screen, and the, the Tyranid matchup is kind of the same way. But like I said, I mean, 90 shots can pretty much take out just hordes of stuff. Not not a problem.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of people will assume like there's not much stuff unless because it's just like 30 hours, um screening for the characters. But I think what people won't realize is the unkillable Lord of Change will screen for your other characters. So unless you get like cool angles, that guy alone will screen. And as well. So your characters actually do yeah. a lot of defense.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, we also do um we roll randomly for the for the bird. Um, for
2: words, yeah. So
3: he can get plus one mortals, he can get minus one to hit, he can get knows an additional spell, cast an additional spell.
2: There's really um, great ones. And there's spell thief in the games where that matters, or just yep. being tougher to kill, of course.
3: Yep. So I mean, um, you know, he had some good stuff. Um and then we rely on some of these other spells from, like I said before, there is a particular spell that is probably the most overlooked spell that I've seen um, in Thousand Suns, which nobody's taking, which won me, I would say, at least three of my games this weekend.
2: Uh, what is the secret tech, TJ? Don't tease me like that. All
3: right. So there is... So you've got a unit, right? Let's just say you've got a unit of uh, White Scars. Ten Assault Intercessors. How fast
2: do they move? Uh, like six plus D6. Some bonuses, advancing and charging.
3: Cool. Uh, let, all right, let's do let's do a better unit. Let's do a more powerful unit. Something that's going to matter. Let's do six Blade Guard. Okay, so you got your six Blade Guard, and you're like, I'm. this is my damage-dealing unit. This unit's going to do a lot. Okay, cool. So, uh, on turn one, um, we have a spell that is called uh, from Cult of Mutation. Nobody takes Cult of Mutation. I don't know what the spell is. I don't
2: know anything about this. <laughs> All
3: right. So the spell is called Warp Reality. It's a Warp Charge 6 spell. So okay. you select one piece of terrain on the table that's within 24 of you, which in Ninth edition, there's tons of terrain around. Then you select an enemy unit within three of the terrain feature. And then until the start of the next phase, they half their movement, subtract one from their advance rolls. subtract one from their charge rolls.
2: So really, really good.
3: So now you lock a unit down, right? You slow it down on turn one. Then when Magnus comes in on turn two, that unit gets half its movement, minus one of the charge, minus one of the advance. And then Magnus hits it with a doom bolt, and you never see that unit again. They just stand can there. Can just remind us what doom bolt does? So, the Doom Bolt is another spell that halves your movement and you can't advance. So now you're half your movement, then you're half of that movement as well. So, a unit that moves six inches now moves an inch and a half and they I can't mean, advance.
2: Even a unit of something like Shining Spears moves 16, auto advances six. You consider this a very fast unit, right? So, can't yep. advance, half movement, half movement, you Shining Spears move four inches. That yep. is so absurd.
3: So, I, uh, game one, I played Connor. Um, counter lob and he had two units of shining spears and on turn one magnus and this demon prince basically just said both those units are not coming anywhere near my island of models they just can't get close so we just shut down two units uh one can't advance the other one basically moves eight inches and then even if he were to double jump them it only moves or quickening them they only move 16 inches so it's a super powerful spell and uh like that was game one. Game two, we hit. Uh, we move block to unit. That's what it's really good for. So your opponent basically puts a unit in front of their army because they know you're going to mortal wound span them. Okay, cool. Sounds great. So in my in my second game, he had a unit of ten intercessors. They were just standing in front of his whole army, basically screened around so that I couldn't get any angles on his unit. And then I hit him with two spells and they move an inch and a half and the rest of his army can't move from out behind it. And they just get stuck in their deployment zone on turn one and have to spend their first turn, basically trying to maneuver out of this box that they put themselves in. So that was game two game three. We found, um, Trajan in a, in a forest. He never got out of that forest. He sat in that forest for the entire game. Um, he had a shield captain in that forest as well with like eight wounds, six plus no pain, all this crazy nonsense. And then he got the other spell on him and then they both never moved ever again. I mean,
2: move six guy in a forest is move three, then minus two, you're moving one inch and you're subtracting one for your advance roll. The other guy's moving one inch and not advancing.
3: Yep. So we just shut down that on game four. We shut down a gallant the gallant starts moving 12 inches now it ends up moving three inches and it can't advance so
2: i think like no one needs to kind of be broken down on how amazing this power is but in the context of your list it buys you time because doing mortal one spam puts you at least in thousand suns and and demons uh in that 18 to 24 inch bracket all your spells are like 18 over 24 inches and you basically live there with your army and at that range, you're in range of all of your opponent's guns, and you're in range of a lot of his combat capability. So if you can do this to a couple of units or do this to one super powerful unit, you're no longer in range of his combat capability. And I think that's a tremendous boom, because it's very hard to exist in that 24-inch range from your opponent because you know, you're know you in full retaliation range, but now you're not. I think that really goes... There's not really a value you can put onto that. That's amazing.
3: Yeah, so you just kind of slow someone down, and the the list um averages about 20 more wounds a turn so you should buy yourself enough time maybe deal with their fast moving units your nurglings are going to hold objectives and then once the danger units are either dealt with or slowed down a lot then magnus can kind of do what he wants and magnus especially in an imperium meta magnus kills whatever he touches i mean
2: (laughs) i think a lot of players might not understand how to use magnus uh, they see like 450 point combat monster that casts lots its powers they get excited they work time across the table 32 inches and charge something that is a way you can use them i'm sure but tj how do you typically envision using magnus
3: so someone told me this um they call it the the yo-yo so basically you fling magnus out in front of your army cast all of magnus's spells and then you bring him back with a warp time into the pocket of your pink horrors so they can't get charged he's not the closest model for maybe some smites that your opponent ends up getting off and you kind of keep him protected until like i said there is no more threats or the threats have been dealt with and then you can kind of put him out there and do what he wants to do
2: so I guess why do you prefer that style as opposed to the you know running your face and do as much damage as possible? Because a lot of players use that to like buy themselves time. Magnus goes up there, causes some havoc, kills some stuff. You know he does go down, but then the rest of your army gets in position. Why do you find this more passive play better?
3: I just feel like you need to get your points out of Magnus. I I don't think you can just. I, I don't like that trick of you just wasting it. It's also a constant fear. For your opponent. They're like, I, I, I needed to kill, I needed you to put him there so that I could kill him. You know, um, I could shoot my entire army, I could charge him, I can melee, and then the threat's over. If you pull him back, your opponent has no way to your opponent has a limited amount of resources to shoot and kill him um, that are gonna actually do damage. And then it becomes this kind of in your opponent's mind, is like, okay. I have, let's just say, six anti-tank weapons. I can fire them all. If Magnus just rolls three ups, he doesn't die. Now, what else do I fire in him? Do I fire all the bolter shots in him? All the, you know, the small arms fire, try to plink him down. You know, what's my play here? It just sits in your opponent's head the whole game, and you just get the most value out of Magnus that way. Also, like, the constant threat of
2: having a screen from a 32-inch moving fly model is Really annoying, like his base is big, so like you feel like you can screen him, unlike like, something like a small little solitaire, you just don't even try. Or it's like too hard to bother with Magnus. Like, I'm gonna put effort to screen this guy, so if you like blow your load on turn one, and then I deal with Magnus, then okay, now I can just play a very linear game of 40k. TJ's in front of me, I'm gonna walk forward and deal with it. If uh, if Magnus is always like a looming threat doing mortals. Do I shoot my anti-tank weapons if he just spikes threes? and Nothing happens. Or I get like expected value out of shooting my cars or something. Girdlings. That that choice is always there for your opponent. And then also the fact that you're really controlling this movement, dictating. Like not it's not just that Magnus can fly 32 inches and warp time, charge something. He's gonna pass every spell he casts. You're not likely to deny him. So if he's got the targeted more wound powers, all of my characters forever have to live behind a wall. Behind the screen behind the wall. Otherwise, they poke their head out and just hear nine more wounds from Magnus thing of that. There's a lot of play from your opponents in the past. He has to jump through hula hoops to not just die in Magnus is the whole thing. And the threat of that is actually worth a lot of value too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Your opponent is going to not play as aggressively as you would because it is still a threat that's on the table. And uh, most people, yeah, they take they take units that take out Magnus. But again, like you said, if Magnus, it's a three-up invol, and he's minus one to hit. If he just rolls well, or you don't roll well, and he just lives for another turn, then he heals two d three, and he's back to doing what he does anyway. And he probably kills the unit that you stuck out to deal with to deal with him. So, it's, it's he's difficult to deal with when he's playing at range. He's not so difficult to deal with when he's played close range. He's kind of becomes like a a subpar Mortarian. That, that basically for a turn cast some spells
2: yeah i agree you want to get like mortarian is the kind of guy you fling across the table and you let your opponent deal with it however he does and then buyers your, your army time he explodes in your opponent's army and does a lot of worms on the way out magnus is the kind of guy you go back and forth i think that's very fair to say so along those lines i guess a lot of what we said in his durability is your opponent just chooses not to get the shots of magnus because like you know well, I, I do it myself. When I play against Magnus, I try to postpone killing him for as long as possible because it's just like, Can I survive this dude? He's doing a lot of more wounds, but it's not that many. like I don't wanna just waste my turn shooting a three when just one to hit, it doesn't turn into anything, especially because he can heal with temporal manipulation. So yep. if your opponent does ignore that, that line of thought, it's just like YOLO, I'm gonna kill Magnus, that's the total in Magnus and nice happen. He does a good chunk of Magnus, he might even kill Magnus. How do you live with that? How do you come back from that? Because obviously you're not immune to opponents making bad decisions or throwing good dice. So what do you do on your
3: head? Uh, so you, you can mitigate it. I mean, based on the amount of um, based on the amount of range that your opponent has. I mean, there's a couple of tricks you can do, um, which is why the nurglings are in the list and the pink Rs are in the list. Like depends, you know, with that shooting, you can jump him back. Really far. I mean, he can jump far enough back where your, you know, your eradicators, whoever that be, won't be able to shoot it. And then it, forget the fact that they might be able to shoot him and kill him. You need to then set up Magnus far enough away where if he does die, your opponent is now way out of position because of the risk that he took. So you Super want to punish somebody.
2: To yes. Can jump on him.
3: Yep. You know, If he kills Magnus, I want to be able to, wherever those Eradicators, which is the most prominent unit, or the ATVs, or uh, Retributors that came in off the outflank, you want to make sure that you are able to deal with them immediately the next turn. And then you can kind of maneuver the bird, the demon prince around, and they can kind of pick up what needs to be picked up after that.
2: Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Um, I really like the way you
0: play Magnus, by the way. I think a lot of people... Even myself have, have done it wrong. And this
2: is like a very, very good how to use Magnus guy was awesome. So uh, let me talk about the rest of your list since we kind of neglected that in favor of Magnus. Is there, is there anything you were considering changing or any evolution to this list? Like, you, it kind of built itself, but I'm sure there are probably ways to accomplish what you're doing.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to save CP and give Magnus a better spell range, you could easily put him in a Supreme Command attachment. And then you don't give the bird. The Warlord trait, because for some odd reason, demons don't have a way to give another Warlord trait. So, um, it's called
2: um, Space Marine Privilege Siege.
3: Yeah. So, um, so basically, you uh, you could do that. That would give you uh, some more CP to start the game, which definitely helps you out. Um.
2: Okay. You were like, I'm surprised you're not considering something like Beast of Nurgle or anything like that. They're very popular over in Europe. Australia, and they're so durable. So, someone
3: like with that, the cars, if you're that, uh, I think the pink cars just have a the OBSEC is super strong and like, um, being able to just put five units of Nurglings out in the middle of the field to hold those objectives for as long as possible while your pink horrors can basically hold two objectives in the backfield because they can just kind of string across the backfield and hold these objectives is super strong. Uh, and it really makes it like Beasts of Nurgle are great. The problem with Beasts of Nurgle is that um, for, for scare for character screening purposes, character screening purposes, your my list literally is running, you know, uh, six, six, Six characters, I'm sorry, four four characters that, that need to not die, uh, and I can't screen them any other way. Uh, Beast and Nurgle don't screen those characters well enough, and when you start taking casualties from the unit that is screening them, you then lose real estate, which your opponent can then push stuff through the gaps. I mean, I played Harlequins three times over the weekend. Not once was a character assassinated with a solitaire or you know the troop master that has a murder blade or any of those crazy combos, no one was able to get in and do anything because pink horrors kind of fill those gaps. And if there is a gap, you just split a blue into the gap and fix it.
2: All right. That was going to lead. That leads me directly into my next question. What are these something points for
3: 45 points for uh, splitting? Uh, If, and the other thing too, with pink horrors, people have this, the list is kind of like my original list um, in Ninth edition for the Plague Burst Crawlers and the Nurglings of like, I don't want to shoot any of this stuff. They don't want to shoot a Lord of Change that has a three up in bullets, minus one damage, and maybe, and has a six up feel no pain, and then maybe, you know, is minus one to hit or something like that. They also don't want to shoot Nurglings. No one really wants to waste firepower Nurglings. No one really wants to shoot Magnus once he's buffed up. And nobody really wants to shoot Pink Horrors that... Are four up involves four up is very swingy. They use, uh, you know, the Lord of changes morale. So their morale 10, they can split and they have a six up feeling no pain. So it's kind of like this list of like, I don't really want to shoot any of this stuff. So usually I would split, but a lot of times people just wouldn't shoot them. It's just kind of a waste. They don't really feel like they're going to do anything. So then if you take engage or something like that, when Magnus kills a character with, you know uh a certain or sorry when the bird kills a power uh, a character with a certain power he just gets a uh, chaos spawn chaos spawn is very easy for grabbing that table quarter that you are not in
2: interesting i always like remember that part of the spell but i never to like, actually use that part of the spell you actually use that
3: <laughs> yeah i mean it's a bolt to change you're already taking bolt to change anyway
2: no that's true that's true I just like the reserve points I guess I never had them playing around like that or I never really felt like doing it but no it makes sense like if you have the points and your opponents not really messing with your honors like
3: why not it's also really good for Magnus every time he kills a character in combat he does the same thing which is nice for you to basically leave something behind a wall or, or overwhelm an objective now because now you have two to his one there's a whole bunch of different uses for that guy right right
2: okay i like that so um you have your giant of the pink cars and that's really really vulnerable to blasts and it's not that tough to kill like blast weapons are kind of enjoying killing toughest three four people models so is that ever a concern for you
3: um no i mean like i said i i played a, I played harley's over the, like three times over the weekend i mean they all have bikes that do basically each one of their guns fires six shots piece. but i mean like when you get through uh hitting them wounding them and then i make my invols and i feel no pains and after splitting you kill like maybe five or six every turn like it wasn't really as crazy as everybody thinks it is um there's a lot of uh areas of failing uh, there's a lot of failing points within that and then uh with splitting it's even more difficult and then you could just roll that one on morale and get d6 back that's uh-huh.
1: true
3: and you do still have gaze. So you still get to reroll your morale check as well for gaze. So you technically could still get that as well with the reroll and roll yeah. that one and get models back. I haven't done that yet. I haven't, I usually use my gaze during uh, psychic powers, but that is also at the back of your mind, depending on how bad it fails. You also have your once per game auto pass morale, which I did a couple times when I lost like 10 or something like that. Cause I was like, you know what? These guys need to live and I need to let them. Let them go. So the unit's about thirty six strong with all the all all the splitting, and uh, six off feeling of pain makes them live a lot longer than that. It really makes them feel a lot stronger. So plus you can make them toughness four, which was another thing. Depending on the matchup, if they don't have the ability to basically, you know, if they have strength nine weapons, not strength eight weapons, then Magnus just doesn't need to get boon of change. So you just cast it on them and hope you roll the the toughness four. So Thought the four models with a four up involve six up final pain are a lot more difficult to get rid of that's definitely true yeah
2: so i've been changes this nice amount matter much by you you're plus one attack, plus one strength, and plus one
3: strength isn't great but plus one strength's great for the, the pink R's because oh, it works on their
2: gun too you're right yep, you're right because
3: their gun and is yeah their gun is based on that so it's actually really strong for them the worst one is uh attack That's what attack attack doesn't super help um, unless you're in melee with them, obviously. But um, the other stuff that is really crazy with this list is like, we've talked about the broad spectrum of combos, but like when you hit, when you charge a unit with your pink cars that maybe have 20 models left, and then you hit that, the unit in front of you that you're going to charge this turn with both the spells that say they can't fall back. They're not getting out of combat, even if they try to desperate escape. So you can just tie up a unit. There's no way they're getting out. You don't even have to tie them up. You can when just. When you
2: say spells that don't fall back, could you just elaborate on that? Oh,
3: sorry, not the spells that don't fall back, but the spells that half your movement can advance, things like that. Uh, these, these units, like a typical unit moves six inches. Well, if you hit it with a spell, now it moves three inches. And then if you hit it with another spell, it moves an inch and a half. If you have one pink horror on the left and one pink horror on the right, and, you know, you don't really need to wrap that, that model. There's no way yeah, there I mean, to, really
2: to get you out of there.
3: Right. That's so they're just true. stuck. Exactly. So that actually happened a lot. Um, it happened twice over the weekend with Harley's note uh, of all things, because, you know, they're like, I can just fall back and do whatever I want. I'm like, well, if you can't fall back, then you just stay here. So um, that just prevents them from getting shot at. So there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do once you get all the combos together, but it's very I feel like chaos is usually combo centric, but this list is extremely combo centric.
2: Yeah, definitely. This you're teaching me like so much. I didn't like ever put together that uh cult of what is that cult of mutation?
3: Mutation, actually. Yeah. Yeah,
2: mutation. That is like actual genius right there. This is what you get from our Art of War coach. Very proud of you teaching. Very proud.
3: Yeah, I mean the other thing that's really cool too is like I had to explain it to everybody over the week, you know, over the weekend. But the other funny thing was like. They're like, does it work on any unit? I'm like, yeah, it doesn't say that it works on infantry or vehicles. So you can literally slow down whatever you wanna slow down as long as they're within a piece of terrain, you know, near a piece of terrain, which in ninth edition is almost everywhere.
2: This
0: episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low
2: and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Yeah, I not <coughs> near a piece of terrain. Like, the, yeah. are, the, the terrain is so dense, the board is so congested. For sure. That's beautiful. Um, most people, I think, go for like Cult of Duplicity to teleport around or Cult of Magic to just do damage. And especially in your list, I would assume you go for Cult of Magic because damage is kind of your shtick here. But I love this little tech piece you put in. Um, have you considered anything like the Contorted Epitome? And um, this list is all to help you get stuck in combat, or you don't really need to because you have this trick.
3: Um, the problem with the, the contorted epitome is you just with the mortal wounds, you just kill things too fast. I feel like, and with slowing two units down a turn, you can really kind of the ebb and flow of your, your opponent's army is, is, is one where you're able to deal with before you would actually get into combat. So I probably only got in combat maybe a handful of times with the pink horrors. Um, the other thing to note too, is like, we don't, whatever they send to kill the pink horrors in melee dies the turn after to all of the demon princes, Armin, the Lord of change, uh, Magnus. So like, there's not a lot of units that are going to stay in combat long. So although the contorted epitome sounds great, they, she just doesn't add to the list at all. Cause you're not really going to stay in combat that long.
2: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. It's just not what your list is trying to do. You're not trying to uh, run across the table and wrap you like most chaos lists kind of look like they are trying to do. You, Yours just isn't doing that.
3: Nope.
2: Interesting. So did you ever find, like, you get yourself involved in firefights with armies that you just lose? Because your army essentially shoots mortal wounds, and as you said, it pumps out about 20 mortal wounds a turn. If you get yourself involved into a firefight, just like Space Fanes or Adnec, and of course we'll get into matchups specifically next episode, but... Um, just generally, you get yourself in a firefight that does more damage, damage faster
3: than you. Uh, well, I feel like the lists that do damage better don't hold objectives as well, So, or they're slower. So I'm able to basically leverage my Pink Horrors, which can also go into reserve as well. So in that particular matchup, what I would do is I usually take Magnus. He starts off the table. So that he lives for as long as possible, and then we also start the pink horrors off the table. We put the Lord of Change behind a, uh, a obscuring piece of terrain because he's only sixteen wounds, and then you just hide all the Nerglings. So, and then you force your opponent if you win the roll to go first, and then you kind of just don't do anything on turn one. Let him, you know, not be able to shoot anything. So you kind of slow roll his damage, and then when Magnus comes in, you can kind of give him all the buffs and just let him take it for a turn. And hopefully at that point, you know, you've, it's turn three. So turn two, you score more than him. And then turn three, you score more than him. And you're kind of at a lead point where now the pink horrors come in on turn three and basically hold two points and they can do what they need to do and kind of uh, get those objectives for you and just kind of stand there for just one more turn. Really? I mean, you're just at that point hoping that you get your secondaries done and things like that.
2: So do you ever find um, you're a little too reliant on getting specific powers off? Now, obviously, you have Magnus, you have Armon, you have Gaze of Fate, potentially. There's so there's much redundancy built into your powers off the cusp, but you know as well as I do, sometimes things fail. Like, Destiny is Destiny's Chaos out here. So um, especially, like, if you put yourself out there to get a Doombolt playoff and your opponent just, you know, denies it or you roll bad. or you're playing against someone much more commonly who has a fourth deny power or stratagem. You can't rely on these things going off so you you know hit four up I just block it one time I just block your thing how do you fight
3: that so I mean that's a that's a game where you're just trying to play um defense <laughs> that's why I think the defensive play for Magnus is just better uh because you're just gonna try to play that defensively he's still there he's still a threat what spells you get off kind of chip away on damage you move your pink horrors up they're there to grab objectives and things like that and they're you're magnus and your lord of change kind of become a bully the demon prince become a bully unit that are designed to basically force your opponent to not get close to this i would call it this blob anything that gets close to this 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 island of 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 your army basically just kind of gets swallowed up um so that's kind of where you need to make sure that um you don't go with these crazy plays and you always have a backup plan i would say the three spells that need to go off every turn it's glamour, so you need to make sure you're out of range of your opponent's deny for glamour. And glamour is a really far-range spell. Uh, is like 18 inches, so you should be able to get glamour
2: off. It's 18 your- and goes plus six to 24, and it's a buff, so you're casting it onto your own so you're really right
3: far. yeah. So you should be able to get glamour off. Weaver is obviously another one. Weaver needs to go off every turn if Magnus is alive anyway. Um, and then warp time, which is a nine-inch spell. So if you're gonna put Magnus up there, you need to make sure that you can get him back. If everything goes to shit, you need to make sure that you can at least jump him back and he's not in the middle. And that's kind of what those pink cars are for. Like, wow, that was the worst turn I ever had. Well, if Magnus is just standing there by himself, even if the warp time goes off and he moves backwards, he might get targeted by a whole bunch of smites. He might get charged by characters and things like that. So you need to make sure you can pull him back. So those are probably the three spells that need to go off no matter what. But everything else is kind of just, just gravy. It is a super durable list, so that's the other reason why I think the list works out well is it's just very durable. So your opponent is going to pick secondaries that rely on killing most of the time against this list. Uh boar the witch is usually one that gets taken a lot. I have a lot of characters. Someone takes assassinate. Um, and then usually the third one is dealer's choice, whether it be engage in all fronts, or scramblers so with the list being so durable you can just kind of if you don't have a good turn it's okay don't get upset you've got plenty more turns and you'll be all right
2: yeah Yeah. no i think that's really good especially like this kind of list you're gonna have bad sick bases uh, i don't care if the math says you're going to and that's not the end of the game or if not if you don't let it be and that's a really great takeaway so uh we are talking about this i was thinking what why not Rubric Marines in your patrol instead of uh, um, ours? They're just so much tougher. They're still upset. they still fire. They're more expensive, but like you know, even the 30 Rubric Plus. 20, it's not that much more.
3: So the main issue with them is to make them have that four plus, they require a CP every turn. Um, they also require some uh, – and they don't really put any firepower back – they also can't start off the table unless i also spend cp um and they do some stuff and pink horror is a plus 1 to wound do some nasty stuff to vehicles uh you know that are toughness 6 or toughness 7 you know plus 1 to wound means i'm wounding most vehicles on fours uh you know unless it's a toughness 8 vehicle so they're able to kind of punch early for me and uh their footprint is just so much larger. Um, And they're not actually that much less in points um, between those two units. So just for argument's sake, for a moment here, you take your Rubik Marines, basically. And now when these guys get to two wounds, obviously we're going to be having a different conversation, maybe depending on how their points go. But five Rubik Marines is 90 points. So if you took the whole shebang, which you'd want to, it's the only way to cover your footprint. That is a three hundred and sixty point unit. Okay, so for two hundred and fifty five, I get basically thirty models, which is a larger footprint, and they just are more. Uh, they're able to cover ground and and screen characters a lot better than rubrics are.
2: Yeah, I guess it's really you get thirty horrors or fifteen rubrics. And uh, 15 versus is is enough for 40 left, So you have to get 20 and then 20 is really saying like, all right, I'm losing the hearts and a nurgling unit and something else to like do this. That's a
3: lot. Yeah. They're just such a resilient unit too. And like you said before, a lot of times your opponent sees 30 pink horrors, even when they start on the table and your opponents like, I'll be all right. Like this is just pink horrors, but yet, and then they find out later in the game, like you're rolling four ups and they're not dying. And you're, you know, like they're, they're holding three objectives. They're
2: But twenty thirty cars are like like, all right, they took some of troops because like screening, but like whatever, it's not a unit. I look at twenty rubrics, and like, that is a it? So it's kinda like they fly under your radar.
3: Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're very they're very good for that too. That's and right. I think
2: uh we were just talking about them shooting a vehicle, like a lot of players don't look at 30 pink cars as like that's so a threat to my vehicle. I'm I look at that I'm like I'm the screen with my right now. So I yeah. So like
3: lunchtime. Yeah, I mean, we shot uh, on my fourth game. We shot ninety shots into a night, and we dealt eight wounds on a night from pink R shooting. I mean, that's it's quite good. That's quite good. And wrong. we didn't get off boon of change plus one strength. If we would have gotten boon of change off, uh, that's like you know uh, twenty five wounds. I mean, that's that's a lot of wounds on a night. I mean, that could. Could have been a lot more fails
2: yeah i got you so let me let me just look through here i'm going to pour through your list and look at your relics and whatnot looks like you went under- mm-hmm. for uh, um stealing some cp back and basically that's interesting the impossible room, of course why did you go for uh have a third eye? do you find you need your command points some I mean, you're already throwing three away from magnus just making off the warlord
3: yeah, I mean command points are super strong. Uh, you, I like rerolls. Rerolls are good. Uh, plus four to cast is good. Uh, Auto passing morale for the pinks is nice. Uh, there are instances where you'll need to start Magnus and the pink horrors off the table, depending on the matchup. Uh, and starting the game with zero CP, I at least want to be able to get back up to a respectable number by the time Magnus comes back in.
2: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And do you find you whoever ever use the warp search strat? I guess it doesn't really matter. you're already a already sport, so never mind. Um,
3: nope. Never use warp search. but I do the nurgling strat sometimes, depending on how it's going there. Oh, uh, auto auto pass morale happens a lot. Mm, auto pass
2: morale I could see, for sure, on orders. Yeah. Uh, nurgling strat, it's like you get nurgling's back on a 5 upgrade right at the end of the phase for each yep. other. Uh, i like that if you're in like a
3: larger unit you use other formats though use it on format if it's if it's a difference between you scoring you know the extra five points or not right i mean like if you've lost if there's one model left and you could fail morale and lose that model like so basically use it
2: when it's the right time to use it
3: oh yeah i don't use it all the time i wish i could take more nurglings i think they're one of the strongest units in the game right now but uh it, again, if it's a difference between five points or not, like I'll I'll do it for the five points just so I can get that. So that's kind of where that CP comes into into play for stealing stuff and trying to get as much CP as possible because it is important.
2: For sure. Um, all right. Well, that just leads me to kind of the secondaries and primaries in general. Like your list seems to want to just occupy a very specific portion of the board and run away back to that portion of the board after doing some damage. And for secondaries, you're not really set up to take some of the go-tos, like to play scramblers. So what secondaries do you go for?
3: with this episode? Definitely not scramblers. So we take, um, depending on the matchup, we'll take engage on all fronts. Uh, the Nurglings are usually good for a couple of points in the first two turns. And then by turn three, if you're doing well, Magnus and the bird can kind of go out and do what they need to do. So then you're getting engage points again. Uh, so there's, you're not losing that gap between not having models out there and having models out there so that's engage um we do psychic ritual a lot
2: like a yeah. lot a lot uh, so, so, who's doing a ritual because obviously you can like auto cast it with like magnus lord change and you don't really have to worry about being denied as far. but then your best casters are casting psychic ritual
3: i do it with the herald actually just a normal old herald i mean it goes off on a three i mean yeah okay yeah but like the herald has powers that he doesn't really need to cast. And the bird knows three powers. This is kind of where that CP stuff goes into. Oftentimes, Magnus will cast four powers, and the bird will cast four powers.
2: So the each thousand suns and demons both have a spell, a psychic strat to let you five cast an extra power. Is that what you're talking about?
3: Yep. So yeah. Both of them can cast it, and they're they're named two different things, so it's not the same word. They're not even the same wording, so you can totally cast uh, two different powers uh, with those guys. So uh, they can cast additional spells. So the spells that maybe that herald was losing out on, you don't really need them. So you're easily able to cast uh, rituals. So that's one. That's one of my go tos.
2: Are you worried at all about that being denied? If your friend just has like a librarian or some shit, like do you just not? takes like a ritual on the herald because like they just stop it
3: if it's one herald sorry if it's one librarian i'm not super worried about it because he usually will get target smited if he comes anywhere near the center of the map um and uh you know if if you fail it once you know um or if your opponent doesn't push out with his librarian in in the earlier turns you know that he's going to try to make a play later like maybe turn four where you have no instance in that instance that would be a maneuver where you would send magnus out and do stuff and he would have to go and kill that guy before he got anywhere near your uh you know before he got anywhere near uh dealing with that issue or denying that power right do you ever um, consider like,
2: pierce the veil and mental interrogation? interrogation it's, no, like- it's just too
3: slow, slow. it's I, I i really have a problem with the secondaries um but that that is definitely one that I'm like I, I'm really not a fan of that one. I just think it's way too slow. I, I don't like secondaries where you're where you have to do them every turn. That just seems like a waste, especially for Chaos. All of our units are super important, so I need to do the things I need to do quickly so that I can get I can get on. Uh, especially Chaos. We just don't have a lot of cheap throwaway units, which is why you don't see Scramblers often from Chaos, uh, unless they you know you're talking Furies or things like that that basically come in and do what they need to do and then just die. Um, and then we take while we stand, we fight. I mean,
2: yeah.
3: good luck killing Magnus and the bird. And it, it, Magnus is an acceptable loss, right? So when you're thinking about secondaries, right, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'll take scram- your opponent. I'll take scramblers, I'll get my 10 points. Well, if I take while we stand, we fight, and Magnus dies, that's the same amount of points I'd get for scramblers anyway. The, that's
2: true the, a lot of people look at while we stand fight it's like if i have one battle while we stand we fight i only really want to take it because i'm sure we'll be getting 15 out of here but you're okay. kind of replacing scramblers with it so it's like okay. okay
3: there's that there's also your opponent is now like oh you pick while we stand we fight i should probably kill magnus yeah man go right ahead and kill magnus that's fine with me spend your whole game trying to kill that that guy so i mean like there's that um, and then the other thing too, is let's say it takes you three turns to kill Magnus. Well, if you thought Magnus was difficult to kill, the Lord of Change is almost impossible to kill, especially if it's turn three, because Magnus has definitely gotten his worth out. He spent three turns, basically smiting, meleeing, charging stuff, and just kind of getting rid of your, I mean, like, options. the Lord of Change is hard when it's
2: the only big thing. Killing the Lord of Change after you've killed the Magnus is like, how are you
3: doing this? Right. So you're going to get your 10 points. Nine times out of 10 for at least 10 points, nine times out of 10 for that secondary. And then last week we just look at our opponent's list and see what we have. So if they have an okay option, we'll take uh, you know, assassinate, or we'll take um, you know, uh bring it down if they have vehicles or things like that. And again, the thing to note with secondaries is um you shouldn't look at every game and assume you're just going to be able to get, you shouldn't look for the ones that are going to get you 15 points. So I try to look at secondaries that are a going to force my opponent to maybe not play with his units. So like when I played, uh, Matei, which is, uh, one of the art of war members in the finals, I picked, bring it down. So that forced him to basically keep all of his transports away from me for most of the game because he knew every time i kill a transport which is fairly easy to kill a transport in harlequins he just gets two points so i can't just give him all these transports so he deployed super defensively and he you know kept the back and he didn't really send them out till turn three or turn four when it was kind of like i need to get my engage points so these are just things to assume you don't always need to try to grab you know these secondaries because you think you're going to get 15 points that's why scramblers exist you're just going to get 10 points and that's going to be how it is so those are kind of what i look at when i pick my secondaries
2: no it makes a lot of sense it's interesting to see your philosophy on it because i think it's very different from like a lot of players but obviously it's working very well for you and it doesn't make sense when you play it out like that so um that pretty much wraps it up for my normal questions i i have one that i completely forgot to ask but i just generally want to get your thoughts on it how often do you use the strap to not take wounds for perils? Because, like, I do it early on random Thousand Suns Casters, and I personally let it go often. When um, like, I'll take the perils and heal it up with Temple Manipulation or something. But then I see some players be very, you know, I'm not taking damage for perils kind of approach to it. What's your um,
3: If they have no character targeting and the game's going okay, which means it's, like, turn two and... You know, my pink cars are basically untouched and we're kind of just in the middle in a block. If Armin takes a perils, it's okay. And not a big deal. Uh, Magnus, he has a two up to ignore. So you don't even need to worry about it with Magnus. So, and a Demon Prince is eight wounds. He can probably perils four times and be okay. So really the only person is Armin and Armin can stand a perils at least twice before you should worry about it. Um, so I don't usually take it. Um, I, I think I've done it a couple of times um when it was early on just because i don't know how the game's gonna go and i might have to send um someone out there to go do something so like the cool thing about having the spells i have lined up the way i have them is if magnus dies it's easy for me to swap out these powers to basically take the ones i was losing before that still do the same amount of damage the other cool thing about them is you can cast them um and you can make your demon prince pretty much uh very very resilient i mean that guy can be running around with a three up in one to hit eight wounds i mean he's going to do some damage as well so you can kind of wrecking ball your army if if magnus dies and you still have the bird lord of change you know he's he's got a, a three damage staff that's make two and then he has a d6 weapon just in case i need him to you know roll higher roll some more damage stuff so i mean you have the ability to do stuff if you lose um, the list. So sometimes I'll do it, but that's not an often thing. Honestly, often what I spend my CP on is casting more powers and plus two to cast because Magnus with plus four to cast on a smite or an Infernal Gateway is just money. I mean, it. it is It's going to hurt your opponent.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, that's, I love doing that stuff um that's just some powerful powerful things i remember i just played a game against mr c he was trying out parliquents and i got a big infernal gateway off on two true masters and a shadow seer and i was like so happy then i rolled three ones to do damage inside but it was almost cool um anyways john is there any questions you want to finish up here with tj
1: No, like usual, I don't know enough about Chaos to ask any intelligent questions, but it sounds like a lot of fun. What I'm looking forward to, obviously, is the second episode where we actually talk about matchups. As usual, we have another flexible list that does a lot of interesting things. Um, And What I'm really, in particular, interested in is if TJ in every matchup will um, put Magnus in reserve, right? That'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, the ones where he does or doesn't have a makes that choice. I'm eager to see that too. So you guys can catch us over in part two for your patrons or uh, if you purchase access to the podcast through our new website, brand new, shiny, fully operational, I hope. So uh, yeah, check us out there. TJ, is there any place people can find you or learn from you or do any of that stuff?
3: Yeah, I mean, I do uh, a lot of videos on uh, Still City Legion. Uh, they help me out. Uh, we do a lot of battle reports. They'll be doing a live stream tournament on December 5th that I'll be entering in to fight against one of our art of war members, Anthony V who won the last tournament um, with his blood angels, just won an RTT this last weekend as well. So I'm eager to see what happens with the rematch. Cause we actually played in an RTT a couple weeks ago and I beat him. So now we'll see if he learned from that and we play we have a really strong match. We do a lot of videos there, uh, and I'm also a uh, champion of Creature casters. so I have a lot of blogs on there, a lot of posts where I talk about um, building stuff, painting stuff, uh, and, you know, what I'm excited about. And, of course, of course, I am an art of war coach. I do uh, weekly live clinics. Uh, we talk about chaos. I do Meta Mondays where we talk about tournaments I've been to or what I think the meta is shifting it. I write articles with new books. I'll probably write one when the Death Guard book comes out, I'm assuming, unless Mark Perry fights me to death for it. So uh, so yeah, so that's that's where you guys can find me.
1: Okay, very cool. All right, one more time for posterity. Again, patrons, we'll see you in part two when we get into the nitty-gritty, dirty details of Optimal Play with this list. And everyone else, we'll catch you next week where we'll have another exciting list to break down for you. Peace and love, everyone.
0: Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at aow40k.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com And of course, connect, connect. on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. AOW40K. Till next time.